Good morning, everyone. What a great morning so far, eh? Lovely to be in God's presence and to, to, to worship him. Let's just have a, uh, a moment of prayer before I start uh, speaking. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to, to worship together. Thank you for Jesus, who is the center of our worship. And uh, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and speak to us. Lord, that you would shake up um, any sediment that's settled in our lives today. Lord, that, uh, yeah, you would flavor us as we worship you in your word. Lord, help us to connect with your word this morning as we connect in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So I kicked off for a new series for us last week on grace. And today we're looking at grace uh, to serve. And Ephesians chapter 2 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. We are created for good works. We are created in Christ for good works, that we should walk in them, not be stationary in them, but we should walk in them. There is a calling upon each of us to serve. We are saved to serve. However, we're not just abandoned to get on with it. We're not just abandoned to muddle through. No, we have the promise that Jesus is with us. And we can know his grace, which enables us to serve God and each other passionately. You and I are given the Holy Spirit and his grace gifts to empower us. So this morning, we're going to look and explore together some grace gifts that God has given us. And Paul tells us about these grace gifts uh, in a letter to the Roman church. So if you can turn to Romans in chapter 12, uh, we're going to base our thoughts on this passage, although um, I will dart around a few other passages as well. But we're going to center our thoughts on Romans chapter 12 uh, from verses 3 to 8 and the words should be on the screen for you uh, as well. So Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we are many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The first thing I want to look at is this, this whole thing that grace gifts are assigned to us. They're given to us. In Helsham Community College, there's a laminated sign outside of the hall, and it says, you know more than you think you do. Many of us underestimate how much we know. We have uh, an incredible amount of information stored in our brains. 
accessing it can be difficult at times, can't it? As you, particularly as you get older. But stored away in our brains is an incredible amount of information. And we know more than we realize. In the same way, I think we underestimate our gifts. We take our gifts so often for granted and sometimes don't even recognize those gifts until they're pointed out. I believe that you have more gifts than you realize. If you have a tongue in your mouth, you can encourage someone when they're down. If you have change in your pocket, you can help the stranger on the street who is hungry. If you know how to use money, you can help someone who's struggling to budget. I believe that we totally underestimate how we can serve and help each other within the church and within the community. So Paul here outlines some grace gifts, and I want us to have a quick whiz through these grace gifts, and then I have uh, a couple of other thoughts as well. So from verse 6, we see prophecy is a grace gift to us. It's a revelatory gift. Put in simple terms, it's about hearing God and speaking out what he is saying. And you've heard demonstrations of that this morning as people have contributed. The gift of prophecy brings hope, it brings direction, it stirs us up, it encourages us, it brings vision, it spurs us to move on with God. They are words for the moment they are words for the season. They are not abiding words. The prophets in the Bible, their words are recorded for us in Scripture, and they're different. They're God-breathed, and they are infallible. They're absolutely true. However, the words that we bring, those grace-gift prophetic words, are those current words, which come, don't come with the same authority as Scripture, but come to us from time to time, and we, we respond to them with weighing them and receiving them. So that's prophecy. That's the first one he's speaking about here. The second one is service. There are numerous and varied types of serving. The serving gift, you know, makes things happen. It's a facilitating gift. And the church needs this gift. It's the Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It gift. So this can be from admin to organizing an auction that Rosie organized for us the other week, which was absolutely brilliant fun, wasn't it? There's welcoming people, there's deep cleaning the kitchen, there's putting tables out, there's putting things away. All manner of things there in serving the church. The church could not function without the serving gift. The next gift he mentions is the gift of teaching. That's the imparting of knowledge. It's not just the imparting of knowledge, though. It's enabling people to learn. And as a church, the teaching gift is expressed in many different situations, in kids' ministry, in the children's uh, Bible study group, learning how to sew, learning how to play chess. Teaching is part of life group. It's a huge part of Alpha and Freedom in Christ and marriage course, etc., etc. The gift of exhortation. That is speaking words of encouragement, which build confidence, encourage us to keep going. It can happen very informally over coffee, in life group, in your WhatsApp group. Often the scriptures that people bring on a Sunday morning are actually exhortations. They overlap with the prophetic, but they're exhortations. They exhort us to run further, to climb higher, to dig deeper. The grace gift, of, grace gift of exhortation motivates us and keeps us going. It encourages us to persist and break through. The gift of contributing. 
This is obviously uh, regular committed giving to the work of the church and much broader to the kingdom. But you know, it's fun to be generous. It's fun to be generous. Great, wonderful. You know, to hold lightly to our money. You know, have you thought of, on top of your giving, you know, sponsoring a child through life bridging works or giving to the water pump for Blessed Hope School? Paul talks here about contributing generously. Let me ask you a question. Is 10% of your income, looking at your income and your expenses, is 10% generous? Now, if you have £100, 10% is generous. If you have £10,000, is 10% generous. If you have a million pound in your back pocket, that must be quite a bulge, mustn't it? But if you have a million pound in your back pocket, is 10% generous? Can I give a bit more? Am I graced and blessed to give more? Has God so financially given me of monetary worth? Can I bless other people? You know, God is generous. And he loves a generous heart. And you know, giving up being penny-pinching as a mindset is so liberating. I tell you, I found it. I love being generous. doesn't mean you're not thrifty. But being generous is part of God's nature, and it's part of our nature as well. The gift of leadership is to govern and to guide and to envision and inspire, inspire people forward. You know, in our church here, we have about 40 leaders and with a wide range of gifts and responsibilities. And we encourage broad leadership in this church, male and female, young and old. We have life group leaders who are major leaders in our church here. We have trustees who look after us with all those trustee things that most of us don't understand. We have a leadership team support the elders. We have a pastoral team. We're graced in this church with many leaders. Many churches will be crying out for the amount of leaders that we've got. We really have that wonderful gift of leadership in this church. And part of our role as elders is to identify people's gifting and identify leaders and raise leaders up of all ages. And the last gift here, sorry, it's such a whistle-stop tour, isn't it? This last gift here is showing Mercy, that's giving aid, showing love and care to those in need. Ministering to the sick or the needy or the poor, whether that's short-term or long-term. Long term. We've just had our Keys project open for a year now. I think we're just about a year having run that. We run CMA and Food Bank, Pastoral Team. All these are grace gifts which show mercy to people. In uh, the New Testament, mercy gift is often uh, linked with helping the foreigner, the refugee, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Now, you will be strong in one of these gifts at least, and you're probably strong in more than one of these gifts. You have more than you realize to give of God's grace gifts. These are grace gifts that God gives through the Holy Spirit. They are a mixture of natural talent, obviously, and interests and your passion. Yes, but there's so much more when you're graced with God's grace in these areas. 
And we need all of these gifts in the local body of believers. So let's get a little bit practical. For instance, you uh, may work in administration in your job or you are a manager. That can be a natural gift. It can be a gift that you've grown in. God wants you to use your gift, not just for your employer, to bless your employer and your company and to to work hard and um, demonstrate godly things with your employer, but also in his kingdom as well, also within his church. God can also use um, gifts in different situations. If you have come to us from another church, how you served in your previous church may or may not be an indication of how you will serve in this church because God can grace us in different ways in different situations. And throughout our lives, grace gifts can change or we can use different grace gifts. Now, these gifts are diverse in nature. We've, in our whiz through, seen that they're quite diverse, aren't they, from prophecy to giving money to to mercy gifts. They're quite diverse. Some of these gifts are practical serving gifts, some are supernatural, and some are speaking gifts. Paul lists here, Paul's list here, though, is by no means exhaustive. Listen to some of the other grace gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12. The discerning of spirits, the speaking in unknown tongues, that's a language not known to you or that you've not learned. And in the ministry, in the church context here, the interpretation of tongues. There's words of wisdom, there's healing gifts, there's working of miracles. And alongside the Ephesians 4 ministries, which are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Now, all of these gifts, I counted them up, and there's 19 of them. And they're a mixture of the supernatural, they're a mixture of serving gifts, and they're a mixture of speaking gifts. It's interesting to note that most of the gifts are supernatural, 10 of them. Serving gifts account for six of those, and speaking gifts only three. Maybe the church needs to be doing more supernatural and serving rather than speaking. I just leave that as a thought with you. As a little tangent, I was just thinking about you know, Paul's uh, injunction to us in 1 Corinthians 14 to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And I was thinking about those gifts this week, and I thought, I have never earnestly desired the working of miracles. Now, obviously, God works miracles, but God is at work through all the supernatural gifts. I just leave that as a thought with you. The working of miracles, do we desire that? All of these gifts are needed and equally important. There's no hierarchy. The supernatural are not ranked higher than any other gift. You have all been assigned gifts. And God is the giver of good gifts. When I was 14, and I distinctly remember when I was 14, and when I tell you this story, you'll realize I can remember that I was 14. Um, We were gathered uh, on Christmas Day in my grand's house. She didn't have a very big front room, but our cousins, we were all together, and we were at that moment of opening the Christmas presents, you know. And I had this big fairly big Christmas present to open from a relative that wasn't present, a rather elderly 
relative that wasn't present. And I opened the gift, and it was hard for my face not to express my disappointment <laughs> on this gift. The gift was for a four-year-old, not a 14-year-old. Obviously, there was a problem with eyesight. But you know, the gifts that God gives us, his great grace gifts, are not a disappointment to us. They are an excitement for us. They are a wonderful gift to open and explore. Paul says about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, all of these are empowered by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So God has assigned good grace gifts for you to receive and to use. The second thing about grace gifts are, is that they are discerned. Paul says to us, for by the grace given to me, so Paul is letting us know that he is dependent on grace, the grace he has received, the grace of apostleship, he too is reliant upon God's enabling grace. And that's an example to us, isn't it? That we rely on God's grace. But he throws in this challenge to you and me. Let's just read verse 3 again of Romans 12. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Self-assessment in the cold light of day is good. We need sober judgment of ourselves and our abilities. And Paul says, be realistic, be sensible, don't be overinflated about how you think about yourself. No presumption of your gifting, but with faith, humility, and dependence on grace. How do we think then with sober judgment? I think verse 2 of that passage gives us a bit of a clue. Verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. As we think rightly about ourselves and our gifting with that renewed and transformed mind, we will discover our grace gifts. When I was 16, sorry for these very last century illustrations, when I was 16, I was thinking about leaving school. I left school when I was thinking. I, uh, when I was 16, I didn't um, go on to further education. Um, and I was thinking about what sort of work should I do? And I was, I was a young Christian. I was saying, Lord, would you lead me? Would you guide me? I don't, I don't really know what to do. My, my father was a farmer. My grandfather was a farmer. My great-grandfather was a farmer. Probably my great-great-father was, uh, uh, was a farmer. I don't know. But, Lord, I'm five foot five, and I'm nine and a half stone. And sober judgment was, don't be a farmer, Duncan. That's probably not good for you. Our renewed minds help us evaluate ourselves with honesty, understand who we are, and our gifts as children of God. It's helped us evaluate you know, the grace gifts that he wants to give us. 
so that we don't get tossed about all the time. You know, we're strong and we're stable, we're steady, and we're secure in the gifts that God has given to us. You know, people serve for different reasons. Some people serve out of a need to be needed. They may need a role to make them feel like they belong. Sadly, some leaders lead out of a need to be in charge of something or someone. No, we serve from a place of knowing God's grace, his enabling, humbly, not thinking more highly of ourselves. And on the other side of it, though, not trashing our abilities, not rubbishing what gifts we have. No, but being dependent on the Spirit of God with faith and love. Let me read to you Philippians, um, yeah, Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verses 3 to 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, Paul says, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So grace gifts are discerned. We're not to be over-inflated about the gifting God has given us, but also not underestimating what he has done for us and what his power in us can accomplish. We can also help each other to discern the gifts that we have. Part of being the family of God and being in relationship with one another is that we understand the gifts that God has given to us. So when your life group leader asks you to take a study or to lead the worship, he's not wanting a week off. He's wanting to encourage your gift. He's wanting to see God's work in you and encourage you in different ways. Part of an elder's role is to discern and identify and encourage the gifts of grace in the body uh, that God has given to his church. So the third thing that I see in this Romans passage is that grace gifts serve the whole body. Paul gives us uh, this picture of the church being a body. Let's read um, that verse 4 again. So I've lost my place here. Romans 12 and verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Your body is made up of different parts. You have a head, you have a torso, and you have four limbs. All of these look very different and they have different functions. You also have internal organs. You have a brain, stomach, Heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, so on. And again, all of these look very different. And in my career, I've seen some of those internal bits and pieces as well. The different functions of your physical body are all necessary 
for health and wholeness, as well as your emotions. All of your body parts, all of your anatomy is important, whether you like the look of them or not. Every organ has not got the same function. Your heart beats, but your lungs breathe in air. You cannot live without your heart, and you cannot live without your lungs, etc., etc. The different functions of the body of believers are all necessary for our health and wholeness in the same way. All of us benefit and need the grace gifts that others bring. It is great that we are all different, although it brings its challenges. It's great that we are all different. We don't, all want, we don't want a church full of just coffee makers because who's going to do the accounts as much as I love coffee? The one body imagery brings with it a sense of togetherness and community, of independence and unity and some of those things we've expressed in this recent week of prayer. So being in Christ makes us one body. We're not an organisation or a club we're much more than a common interest group. We're not an organization, a set of beliefs or values like an environmental campaign group. No, we are in Christ. Paul stresses that in this passage. And as such, being in Christ, we are a unique people. This tiny phrase, one body in Christ, those four little words would have had an enormous impact on the Roman church. They were probably a small house church, probably about 60 people, so a lot less than I hear this morning. They would have been a mixture of Jews and Gentiles living in a city full of powerful rich people and slaves. And Paul says to them, you are one body in Christ. Diverse, different, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, but all one in Christ. And it's no different for you and I this morning. We all carry a beautiful diversity. Say to your neighbor, you are beautifully diverse. And in that diversity, we are one in Christ. We need diversity. Diversity is seen in God's design. We see diversity in nature, don't we? From trees to mountains to hills to lakes to rivers to oceans to seas. The diversity in God's creatures from the cow to the camel, from the egray to the eagle, from the bat to the blue whale. Everything's diverse, isn't it, in nature? God's grace gifts are diverse as we are diverse. We each need all of them. They're all essential. Your grace gift is essential. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians and chapter 12 and verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one 
body. It'd been great if you'd come into the church this morning and been welcomed by an eye, or you came and sat next to an ear. Oh, he's outrageous in his comedy here, isn't he, Paul? Thank God for difference and diversity. It is a sign of beauty and wholeness. You know, diversity is not weird. Uniformity is weird. Clones are weird. If you were all wearing black trousers and black tops today, that would be very weird. It's nice to see colour around here. Well, some of you look colourful. Um, it's nice to see colour and diversity amongst us. It's all important. And we cooperate, we work together for the good of the whole with the different gifts we have been given. We're not a mutual society. No, we're here as a family. We are to function harmoniously. And that can be hard work at times. But we all have our part to play. We rejoice with those who rejoice, Paul says later in that passage, and weep with those who weep. If you injure any part of your body, you feel it elsewhere. If you break a toe, your brain knows about it as well as your toe. It affects your walking, it affects your day. If we, as part of the church, are broken in some way, if we continue in deliberate sin, if we carry emotional pain, if we still carry rubbish from the past in our heart, it will affect the whole body. It will affect all of us. How your heart is will affect this part of the body of Christ. If we have heart issues, such as rejection or unforgiveness or bitterness towards another person, that will affect you for sure, but it affects the whole as well. You think it only affects you, but no, it affects the whole body. Do you know what it's like? Those things are like cancer. What do you do with cancer? You cut it out. You bombard it with x-rays, or you destroy it with medicine. If not, it grows and it affects the whole body and takes over the whole body. Cancer has to be treated radically. Sin needs to be treated radically. It needs the radical forgiveness that Jesus bore for us upon the cross. We need his grace. We must keep our hearts healthy through salvation that Jesus offers us. And that salvation is a one-time event, but it is an ongoing event as well. It's important for us all because Paul says we are individually members of one another. You know, if you've got unresolved issues in your heart, and we all have them from time to time, I struggle with stuff, but if we have them, we become a target. If we've got unforgiveness in our hearts, if we've got bitterness in our hearts, got fear in our hearts or rejection or addictions or abandonment, anger, these sorts of issues which come up. If we don't deal with them, it's like having a big target and the enemy just throws those fiery arrows at it. If your heart is not healthy, we become a target. If we're not standing together, it is like we've got that great big target on our back or on our chest 
Let's push into God's grace. That grace that Sai was talking about last week. For healing and for wholeness. So that we can use God's grace gifts to serve the body. Jesus died to save us from all of these things and so much more. And you know, we serve each other by keeping our hearts in good order. There was a wonderful example I had of, of body serving, and I'm just going to finish with this. Pauline Watford's been in hospital this week, and she's had surgery, and she sent me an email. And uh, I was so blessed with this email because she said, oh, someone's going to take me into hospital, and someone's going to pick me up, and then another person's going to stay with me for a few days. And I thought, oh, this is, this is fantastic. This is the body looking after each uh, laughter itself, body looking after each other. And another example of just God blessing the body was this week during our week of prayer. Phil um, got up and said, let's pray for our elders. And I was so, so blessed by your prayers, by the prophetic words that were spoken, by your prayers, your heartfelt prayers for us. This is the body in action. We need each other. We cannot do this thing. We cannot do this Christian life without each other. Yes, we are one body in Christ, and your grace gifts, every one of them, serve this body. Tom Wright says, the picture of body and members isn't simply a random illustration. It is designed to speak of the new life which the church is to live and model before the world. They will know that we are Christians by our love. And 1 Peter 4 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. So as disciples of Jesus, you have grace to serve. You have more than you realize in terms of gifts, you have spiritual gifts, you have supernatural gifts, you have serving gifts, you have speaking gifts. You have been showered with grace gifts. You have many of them so that you can function as part of this church. And these gifts will grow and increase and new grace gifts will be added to us. If we are faithful with the little or the much that we have, more will be given to us as we stand together one in Christ. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back and we're going to sing a song. Before that, um, I want us to, to pray together. So can I just ask you if we can stand and we'll, we'll pray for one another. I went to a football match yesterday. I've not been to a football match for a, a long time. went to the Amex Stadium pretty impressive. It was, uh, well, the game was fine, but I was thinking during it, there's lots of people on the stands looking at the match, and it's like lots of these people seem to know more than the players and the ref. They can see this isn't happening, and why isn't that person there, and why are they over there, and why did they miss that goal? And you know, when we're on the periphery, when we're on the stands, when we're in the stands, you can look and you can see things that are wrong and why is this happening and why is that not happening. You can look at me and say that, absolutely. But come and join the match. <laughs> come and serve. 
Yeah, come and be part of the game. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have assigned such wonderful grace gifts to your church. Thank you for the diversity of them. Thank you that you help us by one another's, uh, by living with one another to discern those gifts and to understand those gifts and to move into those gifts. And thank you that your wonderful gifts serve the whole body as well as the community. Father, thank you for the grace that Jesus has poured into our lives. Thank you for the grace that the cross has given us. It's liberated us from sin and sickness and and darkness, and it's freed us from our chains. And it's liberated us to serve the living God and to serve one another. Lord, we are a privileged people. Help us to serve and love and worship you each day of our lives. In Jesus' name.